<clears throat> okay, back on an even keel today after feeling crummy yesterday afternoon. Oh, what a relief. Man, it really doesn't take much to throw you off. Um, in this case, it was a, I had to take a, a one-off medication that had some side effects that... Uh, I don't think of myself as someone who usually gets side effects, but I sure did from this. At any rate... Um, Yesterday evening, I was feeling better, and, and my wife and I weeded the garden and, and also thinned out some of the things that are directly sowed and therefore need to be thinned, the carrots and parsnips and Brussels sprouts. And, um, and it got me thinking about what the purpose of thinning is, and for, for that matter, what the purpose of weeding is. Because there are some camps of gardening that think of weeding as of, of weeds is actually a beneficial mulch that increases the diversity in the soil, etc. And to some extent, they're right. But in my view, the crop itself should form the beneficial mulch if it's given enough room to do so. And... Uh, and often what happens is that things are too closely crowded together, whether because they're not thinned out properly or because they're crowded out by weeds. And therefore, they never really get off the ground. And you end up with stunted crops because they've been squeezed too tightly to actually have the space and energy that they require and, and access to resources that they require to truly get thriving and, be, and become large enough to... There's, a, there's just a massive difference between a properly thinned crop that has breathing room and one that's been competing and competing as it's little. And so as early as is reasonable, as early as you can sort of tell the bigger ones from the smaller ones, you want to thin out a crop. And you'll notice in the ensuing two weeks an immediate uptick in... Uh, in growth. And it strikes me that this is, this is more broadly true of our lives as well. There's so many things where we crowd too many things in to our lives and thus they don't actually become the, the large, vibrant, amazing things that they could be. And they, we are instead stuck with whole bunch of stunted little things that we do a lot of. I think this is part of what happens to people who explore green woodworking more broadly and build a pole lathe and make kooksas and bowls and 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 yes to a, to a great extent they're exploring and that's great but I also think when you choose one thing to focus on you just end up giving that one thing more energy, more of your time. And, and you end up going further and it becomes a, a, something much more than it would be if it was just one of many things. I mean, imagine learning to play 10 instruments at once as opposed to learning to play one or two. I also think uh, thinning is applicable to our lives in the sense that 
you imagine a house that has a lot of little knickknacks, like a Victorian-era house. It's just naturally harder to keep that house clean and, and organized to keep the energy flowing in it than it is to do the same thing in a house that is Uh, in a house that is less crowded with stuff. Now, you don't need to go all the way back to some stripped-down minimalism to achieve the allocation of energy to the space that is appropriate. But the way I think of it is, is that energy is flowing... Basically, all of, all of life is a flow of energy. Energy to crops in the ground in the form of water and nutrients from the soil and sun. And energy to things in our lives in, the terms, in terms of time and attention and energy that we expend on them and space in the world that they get to inhabit and money that we put into them. And... The more different things we have that we are trying to crowd into the finite amount of time and energy and money that we have, the less each one of them gets and the smaller each one remains. And sometimes that's fine. Sometimes <clears throat> sometimes you want a, a bunch of miniature things, right? Think think a tray of microgreens. The point is to eat them as delectable small things right at the point where they start to be crowded out in the tray of each other. You harvest them and that's that. But there are relatively few things in life that benefit from that kind of treatment. And often things um don't even give us a glimpse of what they could turn into until we give them the time and space. Largely space, really. But, but time with the right amount of space turns something that is a shadow of itself into the full flourishing of itself. So what does this mean on a practical level? I think what it means on a practical level is learning to thin things out, learning to ruthlessly get rid of things. A lot of people think of gardening as sort of this nurturing act where you're lovingly tending little baby plants. And um, that's somewhat true, but I think it's much more productive to think of it as you raise a lot more than you need and then you cull. And that's not at all people's thoughts, but by culling, you end up with the ones that you want exactly where you want them. And you have resiliency against things not going well for the few that you would have only planted if you'd only planted a few. So I think the same thing is true in life. You can tenderly transplant just a handful of things that you really want and then and then tend to them and tend to them. But I, I think actually it's, it's maybe good to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall 
and see what sticks, right? In the same way that I throw a bunch of seed in the ground and see what comes up and then select from those. And it's the selecting from those that I think is the part that is tricky for a lot of people to do because it feels ruthless. It's, there's a certain point at which you need to start saying no to things and letting things fall away. And then that process, if you're, if you're lucky and things take off, that process will continue and evolve over time. And part of what I was talking about yesterday and about how important it is to have weekends and to have clear delineations on time if you're working for yourself is because um, all the other things in your life will become stunted if you let your work squeeze them out. They will be starved for oxygen. They'll be starved for energy and time and attention. And your relationships will suffer. And all the other things that make life good will suffer because of your lack of boundaries. So on both a professional level and on a professional personal level, I think it's so valuable to define what you're going to spend your energy on and how much and be constantly reevaluating if you need to shift or thin or otherwise cull what you're spending your time on. And to a certain extent, start letting things go when your time begins to be filled with things that are actually working out. And that's the important distinction, is that things are actually working out. Because you can fill your time with things that aren't working out. You can fill your time with business ideas that aren't catching on. You can fill your time with things where you're hitting your head against a stone wall or, or things where you kind of hate what you're doing. And so throwing a bunch of mud at the wall, tossing a bunch of seeds in the ground and seeing what comes up, part of what you're evaluating in your life is do I like how this feels? Right? I used to do, I've done so many things. For a while I had a scything business using a, a scythe, like to cut grass, where people would pay me $30 an hour to come to their house and cut their small bit of meadow that was too small to bring a tractor in and too large to be manageable to do with a lawnmower. And the concept was good, but I found that in practice, I actually didn't really like doing it because I'd show up at people's houses and have to interact with them and would mow these strange terrains that weren't really ideally set up for a scythe, whether because the type of grass was difficult or it was far away or any number of things. And at the time, it was I was glad to have the money, right? It was at a time when we needed every scrap of money I could bring in. But as other things began to earn money, it became clear to me that while I could pursue this path and it could be 
profitable that I would end up with a life that I didn't want. And so I thinned it. I culled it and I stopped doing it, even though I had customers coming back to me and saying, hey, are you still doing this thing? I'd really love to have you come and do it, right? It had worked as a business venture, but it had failed the, the litmus test of did I want to actually spend my time doing it? And so many things are like that. Other times, there have been things where I really liked doing them, but they failed as a business venture, right? So I really liked um, binding notebooks. Back in the day, I taught myself how to do this in college, and I saw some examples of people selling at art shows, you know, nice notebooks. And I thought, yeah, that could be me. I used to love making notebooks with cool pieces of fabric that had a story, you know, uh, a hospital gown from Israel or just different things. And then I'd put the details of what it was in the back cover. You know, this was bound with this piece of fabric and this type of paper. And they were great. They were really cool. But... There was not a demand for them, certainly not at the prices that I wanted to charge to make it worth my time. Culturally, I hadn't figured that out. Now, could I make it work now? Possibly. But at the time when it was at its seedling stage and I was trying to figure out, you know, what's going to work, what's not going to work, this one failed the litmus test because economically there wasn't enough demand for it. So... When you're looking at the little seedlings in your life, you're trying to figure out what are the most promising looking ones and are they in a location, i.e. are they something that I want to do? Are they in a location where I want them to create the, the life, the garden that you want? <clears throat> and if we extend this metaphor of the life as a garden, some of the beauty of a garden is letting volunteer things spring up where they where they spring up. I just harvested some potatoes that actually I left on the ground. I got to go pick them up when I get home. They came up from where I planted potatoes a couple of years ago and I must have left one in the ground. Ooh, a turkey feather. Pick that up and bring it home. It's a very nice one. Um, and they came up this spring and I thought, eh, you know, what the hell? It's right here on the edge of the garden. It's not crowding anything out just yet. I'll let it go and we'll get some potatoes out of it. And it was really nice. And, you know, we had poppies all over the place this year because I let volunteer poppies come up and I'm hoping to have more volunteer poppies next year. But, so volunteers like that can, can really, um, can really lend a lovely feel to a garden or to a life, right? And I would say the sort of the unexpected things are the people approaching you with opportunities and you say, yeah, sure, I'll do this thing with you. Or, you know, some relationship comes along and you see where it goes. And that's part of what makes the life beautiful. But then the other thing it, is, it has to be balanced out with um, 
choosing all the other seedlings that you want to have it be, um, to have them have enough space to have the garden where you have chosen a lot of what is there. So, I would encourage you to look at your life and think about what are the things that you're spending time on and what, what stage are you at? Are you at the stage where you're letting little seedlings grow and assessing and figuring out which ones you want to keep and which you want to cull? Or are you at the stage where you need to start culling and start chasing the ones that are working and the ones that you like? Or are you at the stage where you have the ones that are working and you need to be aggressively weeding them out underneath them to keep giving them space and energy and not diluting your efforts on all the number of new things that crop up and and ask for your time and attention. Because we can be at any of these different stages in our life, and probably, frankly, uh, you can cycle back through these stages many times in your life depending on how it goes in the same way that a garden cycles in and out of these stages over the course of a year it can be in this stage several different times and and i think once you have a clear idea of where you are in that cycle i think it becomes easier to determine what it is that you want to do um, and, and how that's going to affect the overall picture. All right. I got to go talk tomorrow.